0: Sing now when voices reign to Jesus Sing to the King So come, let us sing a song A song declaring we belong to Jesus He's all we need. Lift up a heart of praise, sing now with voices raised to Jesus,
1: sing to the King.
2: Hey, good morning. We are glad that you are here today and uh, we're going to greet each other at this time and then we are going to have a baptism. So we're glad you're here. If you'll just greet those around you. Thank you for being here.
3: All right, Good take a seat. Find your seat. Uh, this morning we get the privilege uh, to have a baptism, and the water is warm. Nice. Um, this morning we get to baptize Kylie Jones. Come on, Kylie. Yeah, come on. Over here. It's warm. It's very warm. She says. Um, Kylie has some family here. I'm not seeing your dad. I see your sister and family on the back row. There we go. Oh, there you are. You're in the shadows back there. I can't really see. Hey, you can stand face everybody so they can see your face. Um, Kylie uh, started coming to our church kind of by chance, actually, uh, not really on purpose. The first time, she uh, great friends with Bree Martinez, and one day after basketball practice. Uh, her dad couldn't pick her up, so she went home with Bree, and it was a Wednesday, and Brie was going to church, and so Kylie kind of had to tag along, and uh, really ever since, she just kept coming back. Um, that was probably a year and a half ago now, yeah, something like that, and um, Kylie didn't really grow up in the church. She had been a little bit, um, so didn't know a whole lot, but she started coming, and uh, she came with us to camp this summer, and the first night, uh, the preacher did this illustration with four chairs, and I can't remember all that the chairs represented, but the first chair was kind of uh, a, a Christian, a solid believer in the faith, and somebody who um, had a relationship with God and was walking with him daily, and then the second chair was maybe someone, I don't know, but the third one, I can't remember, as I've slept and had a baby since then, but, uh, or I didn't have a baby, um, my wife did. I can't take credit for that. But the third chair was the one that stuck out to Kylie, and it was somebody that just didn't know. It wasn't that, that they were against God. It wasn't that they um, hated God or anything. It was just, I, I don't know what I believe. I don't really know where I stand. And so Kylie, uh, that night, that spoke to her. That she didn't know. She had never really thought about um, those those questions. of Am I saved? Do I know God? And uh, so she walked forward that night, not with her friends. She just went forward because she knew she needed um god in her life and she didn't have that through jesus and so uh, she talked with maddie that night and they prayed and and so that night in june oh, it was it july i think it was a june um she was saved at camp and so um, she's been hounding me and we've been trying to uh, follow up with baptism ever since and so she we finally got together this week and made it work and so she's here today because she knows that she uh, is a believer in jesus and she wants to let y'all know that even though she doesn't want to say that herself even though she's shy she's going to stand up here and confess that before y'all so we're going to baptize her so sit down All right, I'm gonna grab my, uh, both hands, however you want to it doesn't matter baseball bat kylie it's my privilege as your new brother in christ to get to baptize you as my sister in christ in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit the old person is put to death and a new person is raised in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Woo!
0: To pour out the power and love
2: This morning, I wanted us in just a moment to pray uh, specifically for our uh, state as we recover from uh, Harvey and also pray for Florida this morning. Uh, Jesus in Acts 1-8 said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, We have a spiritual responsibility as First Baptist Church of Huntington. Uh, We have a spiritual responsibility over our community, Huntington. We are responsible spiritually because of what God has done for us. It goes out from there. We also have a responsibility for our state, Texas. Uh, This week starts the week of prayer for state missions. And it's a way that we pray for And we focus upon uh, what God wants to do in our own state. I would encourage you to take one of our prayer guides that's in the foyer. And you would take the days from this Sunday till next Sunday uh, to study and to pray for uh, the needs within our own state. I am struck that there are 28 million people in the state of Texas. There are over a thousand people per day that come to live in the state of Texas. Uh, We will add as a state almost a half a million people this year and the vast majority of them are lost. (laughs) If we talk about Africa being a mission field, oh, just look around our own state, our own city. Now the lost people are here and we're responsible for all of them, but we are responsible to start in our own community. And so I want us to pray in just a minute. Uh, I wanted to say this just real quickly that uh, this afternoon, uh, late afternoon, the staff will be leaving to go work uh, at our associationals food trailer that's at Calvary Baptist Church in Beaumont. And we're going to be trained in that. There is a possibility after the people that are manning it right now in another week or so, we're going to need volunteers to go into work that. They're Feeding over 5,000 meals a day to the different points in the Beaumont area. Uh, I know a number of you have given money. And we are going to be helping some churches in their recovery efforts as they minister to their community. Uh, Wildwood Baptist Church, the other side of Coontz, is a church that we have adopted and are partnering with. We're going this afternoon with some supplies and quite honestly some money to help them in their recovery effort. We'll also, the staff will be going tomorrow afternoon uh, more south to the Port Arthur area to see what the needs are. We will try to let you know what that is and for us to minister. Because remember, we start with Jerusalem, where we're at, and then we go to Judea and Samaria, to the regions around us, our state, to take the Gospel, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so um, I want us to pray. I know that was kind of a sermonette this morning. But I don't know if you can tell Byron's preaching this morning, so I have to get my words out now. Let us pray. Father, as we come before your throne of grace today, Father, we acknowledge that we need you. And the people around us need you. And Father, I pray that we would be a conduit through which your presence and your salvation your grace and your mercy and your strength flow. And so I pray that you would not just fill us with yourself, but you would fill us so that we could then uh, touch other people and connect with other people. And so I pray that you'd lead us and guide us as a church, you would individually as a group, Father, to minister to the people that are in need, uh, first in our own uh, part of the country. And so we pray for those today that, Father, still are hurting and are in the midst of extreme difficulty along our Gulf Coast and we pray for resources and people to minister. I pray that the church would be unleashed and that Your Gospel would be known and Your grace and mercy would be known in those people and You would be their source of strength. You would be eternal God to them. And Father, today also our hearts go out for many, many thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in Florida even as we speak now that need Your grace and mercy. I pray that You protect them I pray for resources to flow to them, and I pray for the church to be unleashed. And Father, I've been touched this week to see a group from Florida that's come to feed people in Beaumont, Texas. And I pray for their safety as they travel back even today. And I pray that you would, I pray for safety, Father, in the midst of the storm. Father, we thank you that you are our rock. In the midst of the storm, we pray that we'd plant our feet on you and you'd use us in these days and we prayed in Jesus name amen, amen. you be seated.
0: See you
3: Uh, at this time, we on our children are gonna be dismissed. That's uh, just working, testing, testing, testing. Uh, I think that's all the way up to kindergarten. Yeah, threes, fours, fives, and maybe some sixes. Steve, is this on? Can you, Can you hear, me? hear me? Nope. Nope. There it is. Maybe. Maybe. There we go. I can hear it now. Where is that? I'll get a microphone. We'll see how this goes. All right, if you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and we'll kind of be moving around a little bit. Um, In this uh, sermon series this fall, uh, we're talking about, uh, it's entitled Connect. We're talking about connecting relationships, right? And uh, as we've talked about thus far, all of, all of our relationships on this earth, how we interact with those in the church, how we interact with those outside the church, how we interact with our family, spouses, children, it's all born out of our one main relationship, which is our relationship with God, right? That's the first and primary relationship. And so if that relationship isn't right, if something's wrong with it, then our relationships on this earth are going to be impacted and they're not going to be right. Um, and so we have to start right there. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about our relationship with God. It is a relationship. Um, but the reality is, is we have to stay there every day. We have to keep coming back to our relationship with God. Um, So last week what we talked about was one of the ways we understand our relationship with God is relationships on this earth, right? And so we talked about last week uh, the relationship of being a a son or being a daughter, right? And we talked about that's one way we understand our relationship with God is how we interact with a father or how we interact with a mother. Um, And so this week... uh, one of the relationships I want to use to kind of help illustrate this point is, is a marriage relationship. Amen. How many married people we got in here? Probably probably more than half. Um, some of you have not yet been married, and you will one day. Some of you won't. Um, whoop whoop. And uh, so I just wanted to think real quick, uh, h- how do those marriage relationships come about? You know, everybody loves to tell their Well, I don't love to tell my story, but... When, when people get engaged, they want to hear, how did it all happen? How did you come together? How did y'all get to know each other? And mine and Maddie's story is kind of, I'm not even going to use it because it's weird. I, we were in two different countries when we met, and that's not normal. But how, did, how does that typically work? How, did, how do we move from being a single to being married? So um, this is different, obviously, for different cultures and different times. But right now, this is typically how it works. And I'll speak from a guy's perspective. You show up somewhere maybe friend 's house, uh, a sporting event, and for some reason that day, your eyes just go right to her right, and you see her in a different way than maybe you 've ever maybe you knew her before, right, but that day something about her strikes you right you 're like, man, I never noticed her before, and there's something may, maybe her looks, it may be her personality, maybe how she how she acts, how she treats people, but something about you. Something about her strikes you, right? So, normally you're not bold, right? So, but normally you go up and you might engage in a little small talk. But that day you're doing it to try to get to know them, right? You, but you kind of stay safe, right? You kind of stay surface right up front. Not a whole lot of deep questions. You're just trying to get to know each other. But you engage in all this little small talk, and eventually what happens is, man, I really like her. I really like her. I like, and I want to know more about her and hopefully she feels the same way. If she doesn't, boys, move on, okay? If she doesn't feel the same way, move on. But when there's this there's this moment where both feel that way. I, mean, I want to know more about you. You want to know more about me. And so somebody gets the nerve Hey, let's go do something together. We call it a date, right? And call it a date, boys, when you do it. Don't just say, you want to hang out. No, call it a date. You want to go on a date with me. And so you go on this date, but what happens there? You move past that surface, right? And you start to get a little deeper. You start to ask more personal questions. You start to open up, right? And things get a little more, there's a little more trust. There's a little more depth. And you're really beginning to know each other. And what happens through time and dates and dates is like, you get to this point where you're like, man, I know this person, I, I, and I like this person, and I love this person, and I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. Even that's what happens. And you think, man, I could never know them more than I know them right now. Now here's where I need my married folks. You think you know somebody, and then you marry them, right? And that's not always a bad thing. I'm not. My wife is better now than she was when we were dating. Amen. But you think you know somebody. There's a level of knowing that happens in a dating relationship. But you live a little life together. You go through some hard times married together. And there's a depth to that knowledge, right? I know Maddie now more than I've ever known anybody in my entire life. And we've been married. Some of y'all would still say we're in the honeymoon phase. See, but there's this whole other level. God describes our relationship with Him In Scripture at different points as this marriage-type relationship, okay? And so just as there is um, a depth to how much I know Maddie, that should be the same in our relationship with God, amen? So our our knowing of God, and that's what we're going to talk about, is knowing God today, it it shouldn't be... um, It shouldn't be like other relationships. So think about where you work or where you've worked in the past. It shouldn't be like, because where you work, and I don't know about you, I work at the church, so I don't really have, I have some forced friendships, which is good. But sometimes you have to work with people that you don't like, right? But you kind of have to get along with them, right? Amen? You kind of have to put up with them because you're going to work together every day. And so you get to know a little about their family. You get to know a little bit about their life, but only enough to like, be nice, hopefully. Right? Like, is that how we treat our relationship with God? That, man, we're going to have to spend time together every Sunday, so I might as well know a little bit about you. And I'm going to fulfill my obligation because I know i got to be around you and your people. And so is that, is that how we treat our relationship with God? That I, I know some stuff about you just so things are safe, but I don't really want to get past that. Or is our relationship with God kind of like an old friend, you know, somebody that you used to be really close with, you'd spend a lot of time with, you knew each other, you trusted each other, but then something happened, you moved away, they moved away, something happened between y'all, and things kind of separated. And yeah, you would say, I still know them, but you don't know them, right, anymore. Things have changed. Is, Is that what our relationship with God is like? That we, we've had this past experience and things used to be good. We used to really be going for it with him. But, man, some life changed, some whatever happened. And, yeah, I know God, but, you know, we're not, we're not where we once were. Is that how our relationship is? It's, scripture describes our relationship with God in terms of a marriage. That There's this deep, vibrant, mature, faithful, intimate relationship. Just like I know Maddie deeper now and more than I've ever known anybody in my life, that's how our relationship with God should be. There's a depth to that. And so my desire today is to push us to that, right? to paint this picture of what it means to know God. And I know that's like huge. And I also know that I'm probably not the best one to stand up here and preach that. I stand up here as one who doesn't necessarily... um, Know God all the way. But I want to I want to read some scriptures where men of the faith who know God um, push us towards that. So let's start together in Philippians chapter three. Uh, we'll start together in Philippians chapter three. And we'll read verses seven through eleven. Paul says this, in verse seven. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted it. I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss, listen, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's all, it's all loss. All that other stuff I had, it's lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Here it is. This is His one desire, and He just keeps saying it. That I may know Him. That I may know Him. in the power of His resurrection. And may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead what's what's his cry Paul's one thing is I just want to know him and we're thinking Paul man if anybody knows God it's Paul Paul had all these credentials he had studied for years he had been to every schooling possible he was the man when it came to Christian credentials and he says none of those mean anything the only thing I want is to know God So those who know God desire nothing more than to know Him more. They want more of what they already have. They can't get enough of God. Think about that. If God is is finite, if He has an end, and there's only so much of Him, eventually we could know everything about Him. But because God is infinite, and God is matchless, and far beyond our imagination... We can't ever know Him enough. But that's the desire of those who get a taste. When they taste knowing God, they just want more and more. And Paul says here that they will go through anything. It doesn't matter the consequences, it doesn't matter the suffering. They will push to know God more. See, Paul had every reason to boast about all sorts of things. Um, We have different reasons we boast in our Christian culture. Um, I won't even name them because... Uh, It would sting a little bit. We could boast about all sorts of godliness and boast about all sorts of knowledge that we have about God and who He is and our theology and all this stuff. And we can boast. And Paul says, all of that stuff, I just count it as loss. It doesn't mean anything. It's not worth a pile of beans. The only thing that matters is that I want to know God through Christ. That's it. Uh, I've I've read this book a few times. I I forgot to bring it this morning. It's a book called Knowing God, and it's written by a man named J.I. Packer. Anybody read the book, Knowing God? Okay, me and Dad. Good. Well, I'm actually lying. I've never actually finished the book. I've tried like three or four. Have you ever finished the book? You're assuming so. Okay. Well, I'll confess. I've tried to read the book probably three or four times, and I've never finished it, uh, which I guess is kind of a metaphor for... Uh, a spiritual life that I can never finish knowing God, right? Just, just kind of get distracted somewhere in the middle. I just, I just can never finish it, right? So I'm just going to leave it there. I'm never going to finish it because it's a reminder. Um, but J.I. Packer has some incredible quotes in there, so I want to read some of those today. Here's what he says about this. He says, "What makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective." something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance and this the christian has in a way that no other person has for what higher more exalted and more compelling goal can there be than to know god he says you want you want some purpose in your life you want a huge goal you want a huge objective seek after this seek to know god he says people look for that and all sorts of other things but he says we have the highest objective we have the highest purpose which is to know God so i want to start and just talk about that today what does it mean to know God and what does scripture say about that second corinthians chapter 4 flip to the left second corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 and i think this is important that we start here second corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 we won't read the whole context but it's good. Verse 6, he says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ. The first point is this, is that those who know God were first known by God. And you may that, that seems maybe trivial, doesn't seem that important. But those who know God were first known by God. That's what he said in this verse. Just like God looked at the darkness when he created the earth and he put light into it so that we could see. He did the same in our hearts. He says he shone in our hearts so that we could see what? The knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. See, we don't know God because we went searching for him and found him. We know him because he cast light and we saw him. Those who know God were first known by God. Now, here's the the baffling thought about this, okay? God knows everything, right? And so when he looks at me, he sees everything that not everybody else can see. You, you have a perception of who I am as a person because you watch my life, you watch how I live, you watch how I interact, but you don't know everything about me. Who does? God. And God, it says that God saw us and knew us before we ever knew Him. Now think about that. He knew every wicked thing about us. He knew the darkness that existed in us. He knew the sin and how we had rejected Him. And He loved us Still, now think about if dating worked like that, right? If you had to wear this, present your papers with all of the junk about you, all the bad things you had done, right? Like if you get that list, like you're running the other way. You're not choosing to date that person. Am I right? If I knew everything about everybody, then I would turn away, right? I wouldn't want to date them. I wouldn't want to marry them if I knew all the junk. That stuff comes out, right? Right? Here's the baffling thought about this. God knew us first, and he loved us still. Do you get that? He knew everything about us, and he still chose relationship with us. He he saw it all. Nothing was a surprise to him. He saw us, and he knew us, and he loved us still. Here's how J.I. Packer says it. He says, I know him because he first knew me, and he continues to know me. He knows me as a friend and one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eyes off me or his attention distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. He keeps going. There is certainly great cause for humility in the thought that he sees all the twisted things about me that my fellow humans do not see. And he sees more corruption in my heart than that which I can see in myself. He says, that's humbling that God will want to know me when he knows how wicked my heart is. But then he goes on. He said, there is, however, equally great incentive to worship and love God in the thought that for some unfathomable reason, he wants me as his friend and desires to be my friend and has given His Son to die for me in order to realize this purpose. See, first and foremost in our knowing of God, it's that God knew us first. He saw everything about us, and He still chose relationship with us. He knows everything about you, and He still wants relationship with you. God knows us, and He loves us still. All right, flip over to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 verse 3. So now that now that we see how this relationship comes about, God initiating with us, God coming to, coming to us and showing us Him so that we can be in relationship, what does that life look like with Him? John 17, verse 3. And John says this, and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Think about that. Read it again. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, I think when we think about eternal life, we think about dying, right? We think about what happens after we die. We think about heaven and pearly gates and Being with God and seeing loved ones. That's what we think of as eternal life. But John says something kind of different than that. He says, here's what life is. Here's eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. I think that what he's saying is this. The essence of what it means to have life is to know God. The essence of what it means to have life is to know God. God. It's not just something after death. It starts now. It starts once we have a relationship with him. Now, here's what I want to say, though. This this knowing God is way, 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 way more than just knowing some facts about God, than just knowing some truth about God. So it's like big church words like he's omniscient. He's omnipotent. Um, he's a trinity. He's got a son named Jesus. He created the earth in seven days, Right? Those are facts about God, but just because I know those facts doesn't mean that I know God. It's more than, knowing God is more than just having the right answers for the test, or let's be honest, having the right answers for life group, right? So that you don't sound dumb when you answer. There's a a knowing God, you can know those facts and you can know those right answers, but that doesn't always mean that you know God, right? And, and knowing God is way more than just knowing the right theology, knowing how John fits together with Psalms and how the Bible works. And all you can know all that stuff. You can be incredibly smart and you can have a head full of knowledge and not know God, right? You can know a lot about God without knowing Him. It's so much deeper than just facts. It's experiential because I can know a lot of facts about Maddie. You know a lot of facts about Matty, but I know Matty in a way that none of you ever will, right? Our knowledge of God should be way more than just facts. Here's how Packer says it. I don't think I quoted this one on the screens, but he says this. One can know a great deal about God without much knowledge of Him at all. One can know a great deal about godliness, how to live a godly life without much knowledge of God. He says there's no shortage of books or sermons on how to pray. How to witness, how to read our Bibles, how to tithe our money, how to be a young Christian, how to be an old Christian, how to be a happy Christian, how to get consecrated, how to lead people to Christ, how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or in some case, how to avoid receiving it, how to speak in tongues, or how to explain away Pentecostal manifestations, and generally, how to go through all the various motions. He's saying, you can go find a book on how to live a godly life and never know God at all. You can go listen to sermon after ser- sermon on how to. He says, you don't have to know God at all to do that. He says, one can have all of this and hardly know God at all. Here's an example. Let me tell you about my friend, Donald J. Trump. My friend, my boy, he was born in Queens, New York. He grew up in New York. He went to some of the finest schools. They were fantastic, right? Um, that's the word he uses a lot. Fantastic. Um, he had a great upbringing and eventually he started working as a real estate developer, working for his dad's company, became a little more unsuccessful and successful. And he, eventually he grew his business like crazy in New York. And he got so big that reality TV came calling, right? And he started the show. I remember when he started it, it's called The Apprentice. He kind of got this big personality and big influence And he used all of that stuff and his influence and his popularity to eventually be elected the 45th president of the United States. That's my friend, Donald J. Trump. Now, do I know Donald J. Trump? Some of you are like, really? No, I don't. I don't know Donald J. Trump. Just because I know those facts about him. That took me five seconds on Google right, to look those facts up. Just because I know a bunch of head knowledge about who he is doesn't mean that I know him. doesn't mean that he's my boy. doesn't mean that we go way back and have trust. I can do the same thing about my wife. I know a lot of facts about her. She was born in Austin, Texas, right? Actually, I don't know. Austin, right? Yeah, I was guessing, but I'm pretty sure. Maddie was born and raised in Austin, Texas. She, she had a great upbringing too. She went to school at Hyde Park. Her mom was a teacher. Uh, she eventually went to A&M and she got a degree in youth development because she wanted to work with kids because she wanted to see, uh, she wanted to work at a camp and she wanted to see kids grow up, right? Maddie married Mr. Byron Andrew Smith in 2015 and in 2017 they had their firstborn son. Now those are commonly known facts, right? And some of you know those facts about her. I know those facts about her because I know her. Some of you know those facts about her because I just told you, but you don't know her like I know her. You see what I'm saying? You can know a lot about God and not really have this deep personal relationship. You can have all the big words and all the right theology. You can describe his characteristics. And you can be completely spot on in your theology, but does that mean that you know him? Not necessarily. Do we know God or do we know about God? Are we here every Sunday because we just feel obligated, like that friend at work that we want to know a little bit more about so we can keep a good working relationship? Is that why we're here? Do we come out of obligation? Do we come because we're trying to please God? Or are we here because we know God and we love Him and we come to worship Him? We come to learn more about Him. We come to be with His people. See, there's a huge difference. Here's what God has to say about that in Hosea chapter 6. You can flip there, Hosea. It'll be on the screens too. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. God says this through Hosea. This is God speaking. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God Rather than burnt offerings. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. You see, God's desire more than anything, more than our attendance, more than our giving, more than anything, the first and primary thing is that we would know Him and love Him. He says, I desire your love, not your sacrifice. I desire your knowledge rather than burnt offerings. And we don't, we don't offer sacrifices on the stage. We don't burn things on the, on the altar. But well, what, what we do is all sorts of other good deeds to try to earn favor with God or tr- to try to remain in good standing with God, our boy. And he says, I don't want that. I want you to know me. I want you to love me. That's what's most important. Let's go back to our example of marriage. I can do all sorts of things in marriage to please Maddie. I can uh, take out the trash. I can help with Hudson, help put him down. I can uh, work a job and bring home a paycheck. I can do all sorts of things that are my obligation as a spouse. I can listen to her when she describes a problem, and usually my reaction is, I want to fix it, right? Amen, man? I was like, she's telling me, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fix this. We're going to do this. She's like, it's not that. Just listen, Right? she doesn't she doesn't want me for what i can do for her she wants to be known she wants to be loved she wants to be heard and i'm preaching that to myself she wants to be known and loved and heard she doesn't want, she doesn't want my sacrifices she doesn't want my good deeds she wants to be known and just like that is there in a good marriage relationship that's what god wants He says, I don't want your stuff. I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your good deeds. I want you to know me. I want you to love me. That's primary more than anything else. If we don't get that right, our knowing of God, our loving of God, then everything else is broken. Flip over to the right, Jeremiah chapter 9. Maybe it's to the left. Jeremiah chapter 9. I'm going to read it from my notes. Jeremiah 9 verse 23 and 24. He says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me says, if you're going to boast about anything, boast about this, that you understand and know God, that I'm the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. See, once you get a taste of God, once you really begin to know Him, nothing else compares. Nothing else is worth boasting about. Nothing else is worth talking about even. Because the one thing that matters is that I know God, I love Him. And not because I did that, but because He shone in my heart and gave me that sight so I could see Him and love Him and know Him. This is the challenge. And I'm not working out practical ways to pray, practical ways to read. The challenge in the, the picture here is to know God and know Him more than just knowing facts about Him, but to have a deep, personal relationship with Him. That's it. But what we said from the beginning was this. All of our relationships on this earth with each other as, as a church, with those on the outside who are lost, with our families, with our spouses, all of our relationships are just a reflection of our one main relationship, which is to know God. And if that's not right, then these won't be right. But if this one is right, then it will affect how we live all these other relationships. And so... Man, I had a list a mile long, and I got to choose one of them, of how our relationship with God affects how we have relationships on this earth. And here's where I want to go, uh, 1 John chapter 4, and we'll be done. 1 John chapter 4. What is, what is the life change? What is the life affect when we know God, when we love God? How does that change who we are and how we live in relationship with one another? And this is the one I want us to consider. It's love. 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. And John says this, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Stay there, verse 7. Whoever loves has been born of God is a son and knows God, just like a marriage. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And John couldn't get more straightforward. He says, if you love, then you know God. If if you're not loving, you don't know God because God is love. And if you really have that relationship right, then you will do the same thing that he did for you. Let's keep going. Verse 9. God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. See, John says, we didn't, we didn't know what love was until God showed up and loved us. He says, but now that we know God, we are supposed to do the same thing, right? And we get a glimpse when we see God, when we see people loving, we get a glimpse of who God is. It's not really been that hard here recently to see those glimpses, right? And this hurricane relief stuff, man. There's so many people just going and loving and serving and giving. And it's, it's such a glimpse for us. I and mean, that's what God did for us. That's, God went and crossed those boundaries. God went and went into a dangerous spot. God went into the darkness to retrieve us. That's what he did for us. We get a glimpse of God when we love each other. And when we love each other well as a church, we get a glimpse of what God is like. When we love those who are lost and outside the church to bring them closer to God, we get a glimpse of who God is. See, one of the, the, the way our life changes when we know God and not just know about him but know him is that it, it results in love for each other, for the world. See, if your relationship with God, if your knowing of God is just about filling your mind with more head knowledge and it never seeps out into how you live, then you've missed the point. John just said that if you know God, then you will be filled with love for one another. And when we refuse to do that, we're acting as if we don't know God. And so the challenge today is is simply this. What's my relationship with God? What's my knowing of him? Does it feel like an obligation, like something I just kind of have to put up with and I know enough about him to get by? Or is it like an old friend who I used to know real well, but time and whatever has caused me to just fade away, and I guess I'd say I know him, but I don't really know. And that's not the goal. Our knowing of God should be like that of a vibrant, deep, healthy marriage. Deep knowledge, not just head knowledge, not just facts, not just biblical knowledge, but a deep personal relationship. And that's what I want for each one of you. That's what you should want when you read Scripture, not just knowing more knowledge, but knowing personally. And if you don't know him today, the way you can know him is through Jesus Christ. We see it so clearly. He gave up his life so that you could have life with God. If you would stand, let me pray for us. God, I pray today um, that what we have done here and our gathering here has been glorifying to you. God, I pray that my words have made some semblance of sense. God, I pray that we would be challenged by your word, God, challenged by those who have gone before us, that their one desire, their main thing in their life was to know you to love you. God, not to just do anything else, God, but that they would know you. God, may that be our heart. May that be our desire. If you don't know him today, um, we'll be up at the front. Come. We'd love to help you know him. If you have faded away and you want to get close, if you want to come back to him and know him more, pray where you are, come forward and pray. It doesn't matter. My prayer is that our one desire as a church, the one thing that we would boast about is that we know God and that it would result in love for the world. God, we love you. We pray that you would be with us. God, we pray all this in your son's name.
0: Single-minded, wholehearted, one thing I ask, and I may gaze upon Your beauty, O oh Lord, that I may seek Your holy face, and I know you in an intimate way, and follow after you all of my days, and follow after you all of my days, and follow after you all of my days. all of life comes down to just one thing And that's to know you, oh Jesus, make you known And all of life comes down to just one thing And that's to know you, oh Jesus, make you known Of life comes down to just one thing, and that's to know you. Oh Jesus, make you known and all of life comes down to just one thing, and that's to know you, oh Jesus, make you known